Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you. Thank you for joining me today. I'm going to continue and conclude the first level of our Oaks of Righteousness Discipleship Program today in our study as we're laying the foundational level here. And today we're going to talk about the final stage of a oak tree's development called maturity, the maturity stage. We looked at this. This entire program is designed to help you grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ, solid in the word of God, and growing to maturity. That's the goal. And so this is all drawn and correlating to the oak tree's development as we've worked through that in all of these lessons. In lesson one, we looked at germination as the beginning stages where we first believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive the seed of the word of God and we germinate. It germinates within us. We become a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Lesson two, we looked at the root development and how critical it is that our roots go deep in the word of God initially, the pure milk of the word. In lesson three, we talked about sprouting growing beginning to develop growth beginning to develop in us and how we're starting to shoot upward and begin to develop in the word lesson four we looked at the seedling stage where more growth continues upward even now possibly shooting a little bit into and above the ground lesson five and six we looked at a two-part discussion of the sapling stage where significant growth and development occurs as the tree grows upward and hardens its bark, solidifying its soundness and stability and enabling it to grow to maturity and withstand all the elements that come against it. So today in Lesson 7, we want to conclude Level 1 by examining the maturity stage of the oak's development and share the beauties and blessings of this stage and what it means for the tree now and in the future. What does maturity in a Christian's life look like? And can we really attain it? Let's consider these questions, considering the final stages of the Oaks life cycle in this level one of our study today in our Oaks of Righteousness Discipleship Program. I want to begin by reading Genesis 17 verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, or El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. Some versions say perfect. Then in Deuteronomy chapter 18, I want us to read verses 9 through 14. When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who plunders spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. You shall be blameless, here again, again, this word, blameless before the Lord your God. Some versions translate it perfect. 
For these nations which you will dispossess listened to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. So here, even in early in the scriptures in the Old Testament, the instruction is to be perfect or to be blameless. Now notice a few things that we have to understand through the whole counsel of God. This is not saying be sinless. No one person can be sinless. There was only one. He was the holy son of the living God with God as his father. He's the only one that was sinless. First John chapter one tells us that no person is sinless. Romans three also clarifies this and quotes from the Psalms. So it's not talking about someone being without any sin. But what is it talking about? It means to be complete or entire. It speaks of the integrity and character that is fully developed to a place or condition of consistent innocence from evil practices, consistent choices, and the ability to make those choices by the power of the Holy Spirit to live for God, to live pleasing to Him, to choose not to go the route of those things and not to have anything to do with those anymore, but to live for the Lord, to give Him everything. It's the ability to live complete in God's sight and pleasing to Him because of the growth and development of the character and conformity to his nature more and more as we grow more and more in Christ's image. This is the result of the healthy development we have built toward through this whole series. The tree, a mature tree now, is strong, sturdy, well-grounded, and well-nourished. It is now at a mature stage. The maturity stage in a tree is where it's fully grown and developed into a strong, sturdy tree, connected and maintained by the deep roots and the healthy nourishment from those roots, providing shade, fruit, reproduction to make more trees just like it, and its beauty. So let's see how these things now connect with our life as Jesus' disciples. The New Testament gives us the same instructions and desire. They only expound and explain so we can apply it to our lives and be mature in Jesus. This is the goal from day one. Remember, germination talked about the salvation stage. Root development, grounding us in the word and God's love, sprouting, seedling, and sapling stages all spoke of developing our character, being made into Jesus' image like him more and more daily. Developing the bark, that ability to withstand harsh times, hardness and difficulties, and enemy attacks, and staying clear of disease, loss, and injury so that we are healthy when we grow to maturity. So that now we arrive safely at this stage. I want us to look at this stage like a tree, like a tree's development. First of all, a mature tree provides shade speaks of comfort or rest for others and in our own lives, a settledness and a trust. Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30 says this, Come to me, all you who labor 
and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying these words, speaking of a settledness and a trust in him. It speaks of resting and being settled in integrity and faith, help and covering for others also being provided because of our maturity and the shade, so to speak, from that tree, that mature, healthy tree. Proverbs 10 verse 12 says this, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sin. And then in chapter 17, verse 9 of Proverbs, it says this, He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. James 5.20 says, Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And First Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says this, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. What are we talking about here? This covering provides help for others to grow in faith and to become mature themselves and to know that they are brand new creations. They don't have people bringing up dirty laundry from their past anymore. We don't need that in our own lives and neither does anyone else. It's not a condoning of someone's sin. It's a seeking to help them recover. It's a seeking to help them get over that sin and live a life of victory. And in that process, you are helping cover them while they grow and while they are learning the path of rightness and righteousness the path that they should be walking in. And as they are growing in that, it's a covering. So a shade in a tree can provide help and covering. Just like in the Christian life, we provide help and covering. At the maturity stage, fruit can be enjoyed. In John chapter 15, I want to read verses 1 through 16. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Here he's using another nature example of a tree and the fruit from the tree. The tree can only produce the fruit if it stays alive and stays connected to the vine, to the root, to that part of the tree inside, that phloem that is inside, that is carrying the nutrients from the ground, from the soil, from the root system, up to the leaves and up to the top of the tree so that it can bear fruit. And without that, the tree cannot bear fruit. It's the same thing with Jesus here, he's saying. Continuing in the reading, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. So what he's talking about here at the mature stage is a life of fruitfulness. The Bible gives us the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. Those things that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of the living God, will develop in us all along that development stages that we've talked about. Seedling, sapling, growth stages, where all these characteristics of Christ's nature and character are being developed in us. And that fruit of the Spirit is being developed in us. This talks about doing what good God has called us to do in life. Also, fulfilling our ministry as it speaks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 through 2, so that we can answer before him at the Bema seat, like Paul speaks of in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We want to hear him say to us, well done, faithfulness in the stewardship of his gift to us. We want to invest in others for eternal value, as Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21 speaks of, where Jesus tells us, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but rather lay treasures up in heaven. The way we do that is by investing in other people, in their lives, in their eternal souls, for eternal purposes and eternal value. At the maturity stage also, reproduction happens. In other words, trees can then make more trees just like themselves. This is talking about making more disciples that are just like Jesus. Exactly what Jesus told us to do in Matthew chapter 28, where right before he ascends into heaven, he tells us to go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe what he's told us. So making more disciples can come when a tree is mature. You can then shine that light of Jesus to other people. You can tell them and teach them and show them what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And you can bring them in through your fruit to their own new relationship. It's talking about pointing people to Jesus, those who receive him, then discipling them, teaching them God's word, teaching them the Lord's ways, teaching them his truth showing and being a role model to them of a sanctified life, of a life of holiness to the Lord, devotion to the Lord, care and honor 
for God's name. And also in the discipleship process, there's a checking on them so that they have continued growth and discipleship so that they too grow to maturity. I want us to look at Colossians chapter 1, and I want to read verse 28 and 29. Him we preach, talking about Jesus. Paul is writing here and he says, We preach Jesus. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man or everyone in all wisdom that we may present each one, every man, perfect. There's that word again, perfect in Christ Jesus. In other words, mature, complete in Christ Jesus. To this end, Paul says, I also labor striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. So Paul's heart and devotion was to care about their growth in Jesus, to see them mature. He didn't just go around and preach a good message and then leave and not care about them. No, he would come back around sometimes. He would write them letters. He would keep in contact with them. He wanted to know that they were growing in Jesus Christ and that, that they were growing to a life of holiness before the Lord that gives them that maturity in Christ, that they will be complete in him. The other thing too at this stage of maturity is beauty. A tree that reaches a healthy maturity shines. It's a beautiful tree. It has beautiful foliage. It has beautiful flowers and blooms and, and fruit in it. And so this beauty stage speaks of how we can shine for Jesus the scriptures talk about in reference to the Jewish people, how God would raise up those who would provoke the Jews to jealousy. God prophesied about it in the Old Testament, and he spoke about it, and Paul spoke about it in the New Testament, quoting from there. And this means to whet the appetite of others so that they want what you have. They see the real thing in you, and they long for it, and they're hungry for it, and they develop an appetite for it. That's what it means to provoke Jews to jealousy or to provoke anyone to jealousy is to, to make them want to cause them to desire because you are showing them the truth about God's word. You're showing them and shining the light of Jesus to them. And it has a result that it can make them thirsty and hungry for God, making them desire peace that they don't have, but they see that you have, making them question, why are we different? What makes you so different? And then we are able then to answer them, as Peter said in 1 Peter 3.15, so that when someone asks us, we can tell them, it's all about Jesus. He's the one that made the difference to me. He is the Passover lamb Moses spoke about and prophesied about. He is the substitute ram that Abraham found in the bush and substituted in the place of Isaac. We can go back and we can tell them he's the one that died. And we look upon him on the cross, just like Moses commanded them to look upon the serpent on the pole. So we can able, we can defend the faith. We can explain what we believe and why we believe it. The faith. Notice he tells us to defend the faith in Peter and Jude also speaks of that. The faith of Jesus, the true gospel, the eternal gospel. Jesus is the way the truth, and the life. And so we need to learn and be able to contend for the faith as Peter and as Jude 
have told us to do. Contend means to struggle strenuously to defend, to stand for it with backbone, to be able to explain and defend with reason and sense and exposition, letting us know what we believe and why we believe it. This is generally in our day called apologetics. It comes from the Greek word apologia, to give an answer to those who ask. Apologetics, I encourage you to dive into teachers that that are solid in the word of God and teach apologetics. For instance, Answers in Genesis has an apologetics department and program. They're committed to apologetics. Answers in Genesis. Also, Mike Winger is a teacher of apologetics. There are others. Alyssa Childers is one that has also some teaching in apologetics. There are many others. And so we are to understand and be able to defend or give an answer for the faith of Jesus Christ. The faith, the faith that was once at a one time, only single time, forever, for all, a single time constantly given and delivered or committed and entrusted to the stewardship of us, the church. It was one time delivered. Jude tells us that. And Paul speaks of the stewardship in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. The healthy maturity stage is the ability and character shining forth God's beauty and drawing people to him. I want us to look at a few scriptures about that. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says this, Let your light so shine before men that they that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. They see the beauty of God and it draws them to God. Let's look at Psalms. Psalm chapter 90, verse 17 says this, And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. It's a prayer about the beauty of the Lord being upon us. And in Psalm 96, verse 9, it says this, O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. So it's speaking of drawing us into worship of our beautiful God in the beauty of holiness, living this life of holiness before him, living this life where he is pleased and our lives are seeking to please him at all stages. David desired that in Psalm chapter 27, verse 4 and 5. He speaks of this one thing I desire, and that is to dwell in the house of the Lord and behold the beauty of the Lord. Consider it in this way. Similarly, we are like the moon, so to speak, in the sense that the moon simply reflects the beauty and the light from the sun. We're like that moon in the sense that we reflect the beauty of the sun as we keep our gaze on him. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 speaks of looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And then in James chapter 1, I want to read verses 22 through 26. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, 
he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. That's verse through verse 25. So when we do his word, continually looking unto him, then we can shine his beauty to others. May we always desire the beauty of the Lord. Far more important than any physical beauty, let us have that inner beauty that is more precious to God than gold that Peter spoke of in First Peter chapter 3. May we say as the psalmist, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us also. These things come when the oak tree is fully mature and in God's design in nature and in the spiritual sense. As we become strong in the Lord and mature and complete in Him, at this stage we can rightly divide, understanding and applying His Word. We can eat full meals from His Word. We're no longer stuck with just the milk of the Word. Yes, the milk of the Word is necessary when we are babes in Christ. But just like with babies, you want to see them grow and be able to eat regular meals and full meals. And it's the same in the Christian life. We can enjoy the full course of all types of nourishment, way beyond just the pure milk stage of the Word of God. The author of Hebrews speaks of this in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So this even defines for us those who can handle solid food, solid nourishment, or those who are mature in Jesus Christ. The people who are of full age, fully grown, mature, and complete. And those are the ones that by reason of use, in other words, they've developed daily habits, daily practices in godliness and in right living through their choices. Now their senses, they have the ability now to discern and the ability to understand and see what clearly how to live and respond in life. They can see how to live. They can see the choices. They can see what are best choices and wise choices for them to make. They have their senses exercised, trained, disciplined. It's like the training of an athlete for their sport. It's a struggle, strenuous, real effort and devotion has been put into it. They have trained for it. They have exercised vigorously. And what's the purpose that he speaks of here? Not for physical reasons in our body, but to be able to discern, to make the distinction judicially, being able to distinguish, separate, and judge in a proving sense between truth and lies and good and evil. Being able to tell the difference and understand what is right between those two. For example, Today, this is even more important than ever that we grow to maturity because much discernment is needed today. 
There are lots, lots, lots of deception. Jesus warned it would be like this. So how do we stay on the right path and not fall prey to deception? It's through discernment, this working of the Holy Spirit in the Christian's lives. For example, we might hear a sermon or perhaps listen to a podcast message or read a blog post, and there's deception in it or error in understanding, applying and teaching the truth. You, if you have grown to maturity, if you've exercised those senses in God's word, if you have put the word of God in you and you are walking in the spirit and not in the flesh, you will know how to distinguish what is truth and what is not. And so you know what to do from there. I had an experience where one of my in-laws was visiting a new church and immediately caught a misuse of scripture in the pastor's message. He knew the word, he knew the scripture, and therefore the truth set him free, kept him grounded on the right path. Everything must be judged and compared and proved by scripture. This is how discernment works. It's a judicial decision based upon the truth of God's word as the authority, as the law, so to speak, that we judge all else by. When we can do this, it's a sign of maturity in Christ. No one is perfect. No one is fully mature in all areas of life, but we are all works in progress. And this shows how we are progressing when we reach this stage. Full maturity and completeness is not sinlessness. That will only come in heaven when we meet our Lord. But the scriptures do indicate to us that we can be mature in Christ today. And the scriptures even promote it and encourage it for every Christian. Jesus did, the apostles did, even the psalmist and Moses did. So it's very prominent in the scriptures. For the sake of time, I want to give you just a few extra scriptures and tell you the references for some that you can look up. I want us to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. And it says this, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, may be perfect, may be mature, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 speaks of the gifts that Jesus has given to the church in certain positions and certain people that are to help the body to grow to full maturity and come to the unity of the faith in Jesus Christ, to full maturity before the Lord. Second Corinthians 13, verse 11. Paul tells us to become complete. In other words, to grow up, to become a mature Christian, a mature disciple of Jesus Christ. And in Philippians chapter 3, I want to read verses 7 through 16. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish 
that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm not there yet. I've not become fully mature and fully complete. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended the one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. So Paul says here, keep on growing. Keep on pressing forward. Forget the past. And look for what lies ahead still, so that you are fully mature. Therefore, we should always adopt Paul's stand. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 through 10, he tells us this. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes. Well, pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And that word for bad means useless or worthless. So Paul is reminding us of our future with Jesus one day at the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. Therefore, now our choices are to make it our aim, an ambition of honor, not wanting to be ashamed in his presence, but living utmostly with all of our effort to accomplish it from a love of honor to strive to bring it to pass because we care about the honor of God's name. Let us strive to be well-pleasing, not just pleasing, but well-pleasing. Let us love him so much that we sincerely put our heart and soul into seeking to please him. This is the kind of lifestyle and actions that please God greatly from a sincere heart. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he will grow us up into maturity and give us the ability to provide shade and comfort for others, stand strong and withstand evil, reproduce and make other disciples of Jesus, and have and exhibit his beauty in this earth, in our lives and in our relationships, leading others and putting their appetites for Jesus. May we truly desire and allow the Lord to grow us to a mature Christian, strong and beautiful in his sight. It's our desire that oaks of righteousness can be a part of your growth to full maturity, as Paul shared his own desire for that in Colossians chapter 1. We intend to have other levels and help you even more, Lord willing. And I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for more messages and teachings from Covenant Truth Ministries. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.